Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First down. He's tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has got 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. We got a huge show lined up for you today. We got CBS Sports writer Pete Blackburn. He's really a funny dude. We're going to get him on to talk some Winter Olympics, a little hockey, and some of the crazy stuff going on in the Boston sports media market. There was some incredible catfishing. I don't even know if that's the right term that you use for it, but uh, one of their writers got majorly played. Uh, so that's pretty fun to talk about. The Colts have a new coach, and guess what? It's not Josh McDaniels. If you were under a rock, maybe you didn't follow what happened there. We'll get into that some, but first, my man Raja, our girl Hannah, Debo, we're gonna have to carry the show today because I feel like there's a little, there's some slacking off. You guys are hurting. It's Monday, so Raja, you're salty. You, it's not even a good word. So you lost it. a bunch of stuff, basically. Yes. You lost your phone and your I wallet. I didn't lose my phone. <laughs> your kids lost. My kids well, and my wife lost my phone. So I was. That's why I wanted to ask you. Like, are you a uh, are you a guy that loses a lot of stuff? Like, have you lost your wallet multiple times? I'm a mis. I'm a misplacer. You of are okay, but. but like around the house, and then I find it. Right. I'm not generally like a go out and lose my phone or lose my wallet type of dude. Losing your wallet is a nightmare. I'm and then a, on I'm, top of that, your phone. How do you even I'm survive? I'm more upset about the phone. How'd you get here? Like, what'd you do? I, I, my, I, I can't survive without <laughs> either of those listen, items. I went home last night. We got home. We we're supposed to go to Richard Hamilton's like surprise 40th. And I realized on in the car, like I didn't have my wallet. And I had just changed my pants because I coached all day. I was like, oh, shh. You know, so I, 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 I was like, damn, I think I lost my wallet. I went back to the gym, didn't find it. And then, like, seven seconds later, I was like, Cindy, pass me my phone. And she was like, huh? I was like, oh, what? I, give me my So we stripped everything out of the car, dug through everything, and it just ruined my night. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been able to get over it. Like, I'm still, I'm just pissed. I wouldn't yeah, even rough. be able to wake up without my phone. Like, that's, yeah, that's my alarm. alarm. It's it, everything. It was, I had to borrow her phone for the alarm. Like, it just, it, you're right. It's I like, have, oh, with my kids, I almost have a zero tolerance policy for losing stuff. Yeah. And that they lose stuff all the time. My phone, I wouldn't lose because I'm addicted to it. I check it every 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I, I literally check stuff and notifications. I feel it all the time. Like, if I don't have it, I'm like, where'd it go? So I don't have it. I lose you know, my phone a lot. They asked me about my wallet and, and, and the point when I'm in a gym, right? I'm coaching third and fifth grade and I got all kind of stuff going on. And so my little six year old, cause he doesn't have much to do is addicted to the phone. So he's always running around touching my pockets, trying to grab my phone. <laughs> and I'm always like, just take it, buddy. So if someone had come up and just taken my wallet out of my pocket, I would have had no idea because I would have thought it was him. Grabbing from my phone. All right, so I, it's Christmas is a long ways off, but I think I'm going to get you a tile, one of those things that helps you find your uh, find your stuff. Oh you my put gosh, it in your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's help you locate stuff. So that's what we're going to get you. <laughs> All right, NBA. There was some new looks going around. Uh, so let's go around the league a little bit. Let's find out what's going on, how people are looking. Uh, first up, the Cavs, completely new look team. They faced the Celtics. They went to Boston, had a 22-point win. It was really impressive. George Hill, before the game, was talking about just the new environment, what it's like to play with LeBron. Just do your job, I guess. Um, let the rest take care of himself. We have one of the best players in the history of the game. So, I mean, I'm sure he's going to dictate the tempo and things like that. And we just got to do our job. He's the best role player we can possibly be. Um, he's the Batman, and we got to be all Robin. So uh, we got to figure it out. All right, he couldn't have said anything better as far as bowing down to LeBron like and that's kind of what you have to do when he did it came in and he's playing that role LeBron you're the alpha we'll follow yeah I, I look I said it last week I think naturally those guys are Robins anyway 
I don't, none of them have ever been the Batman. They've been some really good Robins, but, but, um, you know, the, the, the cool part about this is, and I got to give Kobe Altman a lot of credit. I did last week too, but he just, this, and I, having sat, he boy, he is my boy. I like Kobe. Tight. We spent a lot of time together, like, um, good, young, uh, great personality, really, really smart basketball mind, like knows the game. Um, I think he got left holding a bag this year in, in that situation, you know, like it just fell apart on the Cavs. And Griff so quickly, I think Kobe was kind of sitting there like, what the heck? I got Kyrie who doesn't want to be there. But this was really, really, uh, really smart. And it's not just Kobe. I mean, they've got a, they've got a staff full of guys there that, that really do their homework. They're grinders. Um, and they met a lot of the team's needs and not just in terms of like the future of the franchise getting younger and more athletic, but, but specifically as it pertains to playing with LeBron, these are all guys that are catch-and-shoot guys for the most part. Save for Larry Nance Jr., who's a rim-run, high-energy guy, which is something you were missing as well. So when you plug them in with LeBron, and none of them have played with a guy like LeBron. Like, they played with Paul George, who's good, but not LeBron. They played with an aging Kobe, who's good, but not LeBron. So he's going to make all of them better. And their skill sets give LeBron even more space to do what he does you, what you could feel there, and I don't mean to get long-winded, but what you could feel last night watching that was an, was an energy. And Kobe talked to it a lot when the trade came down about the culture and the energy in the building. You could see them enjoying the game. There was an energy that had been lacking with the Cavs for like the last three weeks that just leapt off the TV screen at you. So, all right, so, so Debo had this in there. Put, give us one overreaction based on the Sunday's game. So what's the, is there an overreaction that you've heard from people? Well, the, the overreaction is that they're going to be that every night. Like they're, they're not, that's right. not who they're going to be every night. Right. But I, if your energy level changes and, and the feeling of liking to play with each other is, is, is better. Right. Uh, you can figure it out. Like you can now start to, now start to put the pieces back together to become an Eastern Conference champion. That thing was trending in the wrong direction. It's now trending in the correct direction. Here's what I would say. Of course it's going to be a good energy. It's the first game out. Right. Everybody's excited to play with each other. It's sort of like marriage. Like it's the honeymoon phase. Everybody <laughs> loves yep. each other because you haven't had that fight yet. Like I want to see what happens when they lose a couple games. What happens when – uh, you know, they lose a game they shouldn't. Or what, when they face some adversity, how do you respond? Well, I'll tell you what they don't have to worry about. When that happens, they don't have to worry about the little guy getting up in front of the mic and calling everybody else out. Yeah. They're not going to have to worry about And that's part of the change of culture. It's part of why it's hard to have four or five alphas on one team in the NBA because that starts to creep into people's subconscious. Like, who the hell is this little dude think he is, man? He ain't done nothing on the squad, and he's up here rapping about we're the worst team. And, you know, that that's not going to happen with George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. They're going to play their role. They're going to say what's politically correct for the media. They're going to keep it in-house. They're going to follow LeBron James' lead. And when, when, you, when you have a clear delineation of, like, roles – that adversity becomes easier to kind of get through because mm -hmm. everyone knows who to follow. It's, you don't have four guys trying to lead us out of it. LeBron, after the game, talked about it. And the attention to uh, details tonight was at, a, was at an all-time high for the first time this season. We got some players that can go out and, and get their own. Um, that's pretty smart. And they picked it up, uh, you know, like they've been here all year. So it's still going to take a little time, even though this was an impressive win on the road. Um, that's a good start. So LeBron, uh, I'm sure you saw this, but he said that he played 2K again to try to get used to his teammates <laughs> before they arrived. I remember specifically doing the segment saying, would it help? Because he did it with Isaiah Thomas before yeah. he was healthy enough to play. 
Does he give any credence to it? I think, he, I think he. I think LeBron just thinks it's cool and funny to say. He probably does. <laughs> but, but again, I think he's one of those guys that is on the forefront of trying to use every advantage he can get. I mean, you know, they got the – I even looked into it for my kids, like those uh, virtual reality yeah. like goggles, like to see if there was any kind of software that, that would be good for young point guards or young quarterbacks to yeah. put them in stuff like that. And those 2K games, they're not that, but there's something to be said for it. Here's the word – and it's a, it's a simple word, but the word that that was that I would use to describe what I saw yesterday for them was fun. Yeah. It looked fun. Absolutely. And it, it looked like LeBron's spirit was back, and they were re-energized. Um, and I believe in that. Me too. Yeah. Every every good team I've been on. It's funny. When you're in a playoff hunt or you're on a team that has championship-level contentions and you're winning, it doesn't feel like work. Right. When you're on a losing team, it feels like work. And you you notice guys – Start going just for the paycheck. And right. you start going through the motion. That sucks. It's no fun to be a part of a team like that. Uh, Paul Pierce was honored. This was the day that was kind of funny because Isaiah, this was supposed to be the day that was controversy because Isaiah was going to have his video tribute, uh, in Boston. Obviously no need for that. He's no longer on the Cavs, but Paul Pierce was honored. Uh, Doc Rivers was there supporting him. Kevin Garnett was there. So Robert Parrish had some comments, said he's the greatest offensive Celtic ever. Hmm. Is that a little too much? Too um, much shine for the truth? That's the, the chief. Um, he chiefs a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he, um, so you're saying so, it is? It is I, a little over the I, top. I, I, look, Paul Pierce is, was an incredible offensive player. I got a chance to play with Paul Pierce in the Olympic Festival in 1995. I was a freshman at Boston University. I just won freshman of the year, and Paul Pierce was an incoming freshman to Kansas. And his offensive skill set at that time was ridiculous. Um, once he got to Boston, and I mean, it was his mid-post footwork. Like, he is one of the best offensive players ever. But, you know, you had a guy named Larry Bird. That's at, right. You know, and, and to Debo's point, he had another guy named Kevin McHale, who are like I mean, Kevin McHale. Is, big men still go to Kevin McHale to learn that footwork and stuff like that. And Larry is the legend. Yeah. So that's a mouthful, but he is one of the top three, no question. All right. Speaking of Isaiah Thomas, he made his debut on Saturday uh, for the Lakers. He had uh, 22 points coming off the bench. He played 31 minutes, 7 to 12 you know, from the field. Uh, give us an overreaction of Isaiah. I think he gave you one, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. Yeah, I just wanted to come in with energy. I just wanted to bring something to the table. Um Felt like I got my powers back playing on this team now, so um, I just wanted to bring that energy, bring that intensity, and and make plays. And then they, the ball happened to go in. So obviously Isaiah Thomas is feeling pretty good about himself, saying he got his powers back. How? I mean, I, I go back to the first game he had on the on the Cavs. He was great coming off the bench. He put in a solid performance. You need to do it over a longer, extended period of time if you're it to show me more that you're back, that you're healthier, that you are the caliber player that you were with Boston, and do it in a new system with a new group of guys in a locker room. I got a couple of thoughts. I agree <laughs> with you 100%. First of all, I'll say good for him because, you know, I, I don't dislike Isaiah Thomas. He's a good player. Like, I hope he can regain form and and seek some of the – like, re regain some of that, that, that money that was lost with that Cleveland situation. Um, but, first of all, your team lost – um, so your, your powers here, here's my question with Isaiah. This is, this is my question. I know he wants to win. Yeah. Like I know he wants to win, but putting the situation and having to choose between a performance like that, where you have 22 and a loss or a performance where you might have an efficient 11 and your team wins, which would you prefer? 
And that's the question I have about Isaiah. It, it, I'm just being honest. That's the question that I have. If if he is a winning player, and and winning doesn't mean like winning when you are the are the guy scoring all the points. Everyone takes that. Yeah. Everyone wants to win when you're the guy who gets to score 25. But when you're put to the test of will you do what it takes to win? If Danny eats before you offensively, Debo eats before you offensively, and Hannah eats before before you offensively, is that cool with you? Don't, and I don't believe the answer to be yes. I think you can find out a lot about players just by watching them after games, win or lose. Because oh, for sure. If there's a guy after a win and he's kind of sulking a little bit because he didn't get his points, that really bothers me. And if there's a guy after a loss who's not bothered by it because he got his 20 and tw- whatever his numbers yep. that he wanted to get – that drives me nuts. And that's that's a selfish player. And you have to have a player who buys into the team philosophy that kind of wants – and like you said, wants to win above all else. And I think that's a really hard thing to find, in more so in today's player. You, I think more so than ever you're seeing self – because it's, there's so much money at stake, and a lot of the, the contracts are driven by statistics and what numbers you put up. They are. I feel like when I played, they rewarded point scoring more than they do now. Like there wasn't a three and D category when I right. played. Like when I, well, you know, they, you couldn't just make threes and and defend the heck out of somebody. They weren't paying you for that. They were paying guys to put it in the bucket. And so the like culturally, we always, I mean, on any team I've been on, there were three guys for the most most part. Immediately after a game, I see that score. Like, and they weren't looking at the stat sheet to see like what we shot as a team from the field, right, what we, right. How many turnovers we had. They just wanted to know what their line looked like. Yeah, you know, and they were out there for buckets, and and it was just. The, the culture made you have to be point hungry to get paid. And so I feel like now, if I'm being honest, um, more guys are getting paid for being good role players, like and probably maybe too much, but guys are getting paid for that now when they didn't as much back then. And, and, and I, I see guys not hunting as much. There's still those guys out there. Like Isaiah's a hunter but in the truest form. He's yeah. hunting buckets all the time. Um, but anyway, that's just the way I felt about it. I don't. Yeah. Feel, I felt like back in the day, they just made you hunt for buckets. I'm with you. All right, D Wade returned to the Heat. It was a welcome. I mean, it was all over the local news. We're yeah. here in South Florida. It was a great story. He had uh, 22 minutes coming off the bench, only three points, one for six from the field. He had four turnovers. Had a big block in the game, right towards the end of the game. Yeah. But mm-hmm. and there was a lot of energy infused in that one. Is there an overreaction to that one? No. <laughs> and Hannah's like, no, welcome say, home. Let me just say real quick, I, if th- that, that Friday night, that game, I was at a rehearsal dinner, and I was definitely that, you know, that girl on her phone <laughs> watching it at the rehearsal dinner because I was so pumped just to see the crowd's reaction, just to see Gabrielle in the crowd. I loved all of it. I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> it's the equivalent. The, the, <laughs> it's the equivalent if Peyton Manning got to go back to the Colts after he was in Denver. If Brett Favre would have gone back to Green Bay, like all great players, you'd love to see them. And who knows where he fit, where he finish his career? But to see him back in the uniform, oh, he's finishing in Miami. I agree. Right? <laughs> right. He should finish. How much he longer should, does he really but, have? One more year. That's this, it. Finish out this year and then and one, one more. more year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so too. So he's got two. Oh, so one and a half. One so and a half. Yeah, one yeah, and that's half. it. Yes. All right. So hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. But you never know what, what, uh, what they, one of the what they need it. to figure out for him because they're still in the East conversation, right? They're still in mm-hmm. the East. They need to figure out a, a, a clear role for D Wade, something that makes him feel comfortable because they don't have a lot of guys who can finish. Right. They don't have yeah. finishers. And although, like, you know, one for six, three points, he's not, he's not that bad at this point in his career. But but he's not a twenty four a night guy either. So you have to figure out a role that can get him on the floor in closing minutes, 
uh, where he can close, kind of a la like Joe Johnson has done for teams in the past for Utah and places like that where you don't you don't necessarily run him into the ground the whole game, but you make sure he's on the floor in closing minutes because he's the one guy on your team that's got the he's got the moxie and the and the cachet to be able to make big shots. He's got the stones. So there's no doubt that D Wade's happier being in South Florida. He's got you know he's obviously got some roots here. I think that does matter with players too, where they're playing, the system they're in, oh. and like a player's happiness level. Are you talking about having fun? Like you notice the Cavs having fun when they're out there. I think one thing that's underrated oftentimes is how much a player likes the city he plays in, likes the atmosphere that he's around. Like if you had, and if I think it's, I think it's something that the media and analysts don't take in consideration enough. And that was one thing that surprised me when Russ stayed in Oklahoma City because I thought he'd bounce because I thought he was a bad fit. Like he's into fashion. I thought he wanted to go to like a major <laughs> market. Like seriously, right. yeah. like there would be bigger things that were in play. If you were ranking when you're a free agent, say you're a big time free agent, you're coming up. If you were ranking priorities, what would you rank? Like as far as winning, coaching, quality of life, like yeah. where weather, like yeah. I think those are real factors that – you should have to like if you're smart, you're making that decision. You should put it in there. Like you should rank well, them in pros if, and cons. The problem is like my problem was I played on a bunch of minimum deals, mm-hmm. so I didn't have the luxury of, of right. r- like wanting to live in L.A. or New York. I, my number one factor was money. Yeah, like I want I need I want to get paid. This was my living. Now, given the opportunity to get paid, like when I left Utah, it was. I had played for minimum in, in Philly for two years or a year and a half. I had played a minimum in Dallas, and I had to spend like a month before that in, in Spain and had to come back and play for the minimum unguaranteed in Dallas. So then I got two years in Utah for like 1.1 and 1.2. So basically a little it's more than minimum, but it wasn't. So coming out of there, my agent and I sat down, and I, I had had a pretty good two seasons, and we felt like you know we could potentially have something going on. And so I did. I, everything came in, like, came into, like, lined up for me. The stars aligned because I wanted to play for Phoenix. I knew Steve. I had talked to Steve a lot. Um, I had played with him in Dallas. They looked like they were having a great time. They had just, I think they beat Memphis, was it? Or, they, they, you know, they were, they were trending. And so they were the number one team on my list. And they happened to come to me with a really good deal. And in fairness, cause I, I'm going to contradict myself. My agent said, Hey, look, we could hold out maybe because I think Minnesota and Kevin McHale were coming to Miami tomorrow and New Jersey was coming to town tomorrow. He said, like, we could prop, we might be able to get a couple more. He was like, we might be able to get a couple more, but this is where you wanted to play and right. it's for more than you thought you'd ever get. And so I took that because it was important for me to go somewhere where I thought I would have fun, someone I knew, a style that like they were up and down. I didn't know to what degree until I got there, how much running we, we did, but, but um, I, I probably – I mean, I, I don't know how many millions I gave up. It wasn't many, though. If he told me he was going to get me 10 more million, I would have right. said, all right, no more. You <laughs> right, know? So right. I play. I wanted I was going. I was going for money. I'm being honest. I right. wanted to win if I could. Absolutely. But I needed to get paid. Right. And you didn't have the huge $100 million no, deal early. No, well, you wanted to, you wanted I was to set a, up your family. I was a minimum guy. Security yeah. for life. So That's you right. had to make that a priority. Let's say you're Paul George, though, and he's going to be for, up for after the season. Yeah. Like, should he be looking at, hey – like what? What it, would his so Paul be? George? So okay, if, and I think it varies by players. Like it, I think some players don't care if they're going to be on a winning team; they just want to get paid and have a nice style of life. Yeah. So let nice me not weather. speculate on Paul George. Let me just put myself in a situation. Yeah. Had I had I been paid up front and knew I was a max guy, like I'm I'm trying to win. Mm-hmm. Like now, like where the family's secure, I've made my living. Now I want to win, right? And then then like I guess in the hierarchy of what's important, right? It would be it would be getting paid. 
then it would be getting my championship, and then it would be getting my quality of life and living in a city that I want to live in if right. I've gotten the championship. Already. Right. That would be the way that I'd break that. My down. big thing, and I, I didn't have a, I was like you. I didn't have a choice. I got drafted, so I didn't get, you know, I, I didn't get to pick where I went. Right. After that, there were a couple options, but I kind of, and here's, I wanted to go to Atlanta. Like when I, when I got cut from the Giants, Dan Reeves was in Atlanta, and I told my agent, I'm like, I knew Dan Reeves liked me, so I was like, I want to go to Atlanta. Right. And there were some other teams, and he's like, I was like, don't worry about it. Don't even call. I wanted to go to Atlanta because it was a fun town. Like, and they had just come off the Super Bowl, so I thought they were going to be a winner, even though mm-hmm. they sucked when I got there. <laughs> but, but I do, I, like, I always looked at it, I was like, I do not want to go to a cold weather place. Like, not, and not because it would have affected my play as much as I was like, I just don't want to live in a crappy city. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of the cold weather towns, like, I think one of the worst deals this season, and it might end up, being better from a basketball standpoint, it's Blake, Blake Griffin. Like for him to go to from LA to Detroit, Dude, I tough. was like, that is painful. That's Even tough. though he might have been a better situation being in the Eastern Conference and being on a team that might have a little bit better of a run in the in the you know to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I was like, I would I would be devastated if I was him. You know why it might not matter as much in the NBA as it, in the NFL? Well, if because you're Blake Griffin, you have a boatload of money, so you can take your private jet anywhere. Well, yeah, you're you're, you're on the road, but but you're on the road so much. Like I lived, I got traded to Charlotte. From Phoenix, and I was like, I was like, I didn't know anything about Charlotte. Charlotte wound up being great. People were great. Yeah. Same with Utah. People ask me about Utah all the time, and yes, it got twisted towards the end. <laughs> but I loved Utah. I love Salt Lake. I love the I love the people there. My my wife still got really good friends out there. My kids have friends out there. Like, yeah. I, but you travel more. We right? love Salt Lake, but yes. We're Shout on, out Ty. Yeah. It's been a while since we met yeah. him. <laughs> Ty Corbin, what up, dog? Where's Ty right now? Anybody? Where is he? Where, we should have Phoenix, a Where's Ty segment. I think he's in Phoenix. Is he? I think he's an assistant in Phoenix. Oh, so he survived the cut when they got rid of Earl? I think so. I think so. Stand, so by. I think Stand by. Stand yeah. by. Where's Ty segment? But yes, Hannah, you're on the road. Yeah. You're on the road so much. So if your home city doesn't have, like, great restaurants – or like cool bars, mm-hmm. you you can find that. Because and you're more on the so road. than the NFL, and you tell me if I'm wrong more, on this, yeah. they don't care as much about you staying there in the off season oh, and yeah. training there. Oh no, I was because the NFL is a big deal. They don't like, especially if you're a quarterback, they want you there training in January, February, kind of making it. Hey, this is my home. I'm going to live here. The NBA, they could care less, right? I shut down my house the day after we lost. <laughs> right, right, it was shut no down, way. and I, I was back like two days before training camp. Yep. Oh Don't worry about it. All right, let's get back to some stuff we might have m- missed over the weekend, and here's what's happening with Hannah. All right, guys, no Russ, no mellow, no problem for OKC in their 110-92 victory over Memphis. Sunday night, Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony both missed their second straight games, each with sprained ankles. Now, Paul George led the Thunder with 33 points and 8 assists against the Grizz. An exciting matchup with the Cavs coming Tuesday with two-star statuses uncertain. Oh, they're going to need them boys against the Cavs, huh? <laughs> You, you want Paul George, from their perspective, like, you, you want Paul George to have nights like this. The ball's in his hands. He feels ownership of the team. It only, it only helps with the opportunity to re-sign him in the offseason. So I think it's great, but they're going to need, they're going to need a healthy Russ specifically, uh, to compete against the Cavs. In college hoops, the Bearcats continue to ball. Cincinnati wins their 16th in a row, cruising past SMU 76 to 51 on Sunday. Cincy now 23 and 2 on the season and could creep up from their number six ranking. Two matchups with a ranked Wichita State squad looming. Oh, I'm going to have to check. I'm going to tune in yeah. to Cincy. I, I, I had no idea. No, um, it's, it's about that time. I got I to start checking out all these teams so I can uh, fill out my brackets. There you no, go. It's about that time. 
Also coming soon, pitchers and catchers. So Jake Arrieta has been replaced in the Cubs rotation by Hugh Darvish, but apparently Chicago made a similar offer to Arrieta before inking the right-handed Darvish to a six-year, $126 million contract on Saturday. The Cubs just behind Darvish's former team, the Dodgers, as favorites to win the National League. It's really hard to picture a guy turning down $126 (laughs) million, but if you look at the market for pitchers, I don't think he's that crazy to do it. There's several that are making 200 plus. I think he's somewhere in the 175 to 180 range, so I don't have a problem with him turning it down. Get uh, what you can while you can, man. Oh, I got no beef with him. I just, <laughs> but it's insane. I, that's to a, think it's that insanity. That's reaction. I didn't know that there were $200 million <laughs> pitchers out there. Oh, yeah. There's uh, several right. of them. Well, my bad. My bad. <laughs> oh, man. All right, and last but not least, Frank Reich's tenure as has already lasted longer than Josh McDaniels in Indy. The Colts officially have their next head coach this time. Reich, formerly the offensive coordinator for the Super Bowl champion Eagles, signs a five-year deal while inheriting Andrew Luck and a relieved Jim Irsay. All right, here's here are a couple of things I hate about this. And <laughs> I like the hire, but it's so it's such either it's an old boys network and it's kind of so lazy that you see this happen. Because teams fall into this rut of saying, all right, we need a head coach. What team was good? Let's go hire one of their coaches. And that happens all the time. It's why Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia were getting talked about for every job because the Patriots are always good. So they're like, hey, they have to be a good coach. Frank Reich, I like him. I think maybe he will be a good coach. But it's such, to me, it's so predictable that they're going to go hire a coach from the Eagles staff because they just won the Super Bowl. First of all, he did not call all the plays. Yeah, that was Doug Peterson. Peterson right? Yes, he was. And then, by the way, their uh, quarterback coach also got hired away to be an offensive coordinator at Vikings. The Vikings. So, like, there, it just it seems so lazy to me. Like, come on, be more innovative. Go find some young guy on a squad who maybe is bad, but he's a good coach. I just like his name, Frank. It like sounds like Frank White, King of New York. Like I, I like it, Frank White. But I think, and I think one of the reasons they brought him in too was to work with Andrew Luck. They wanted a quarterback, offensive-minded guy. That's why they like Josh McDaniels from the Patriots. Frank Reich played the position, had one of the greatest comebacks of all time when he was filling in for Jim Kelly on the Bills, and they beat the Oilers. So I think he will be a good fit there. But it just all of it, and I like the hire. It's not like I'm crushing the hire. You said it's lazy. Process. You said the practice of, of just exactly. Yes, I, okay. I hate the process, and who knows if they even did the Rooney Rule? Like, did that even get discussed? Uh, like, did they bring in the, the hire? Like, yeah, exactly. So, well, who knows what's going on there? The other thing I think that's interesting too, and this is why it's so hard to repeat as champs, is now the Eagles there because this happens. Teams start they start picking off your players, and they also start picking off your coaches. And I think this will be an adjustment for the Eagles and how do they move forward with an entirely new staff. Not only not only not only the change in your culture, but now you're taking the culture and the things that you do that are like your own proprietary blend, if you will, mm-hmm. and and people know that other places. Like that that might have been something that was contained in your building. Now you got guys on three different staffs around the league knowing exactly what you what you preach, what you talk about, what your mentality is, and that has an effect. And also I think it, within position rooms like so that's that's how they divide things in the nfl locker room everybody go like you have team meetings that last five minutes and then you spend your next probably half hour 45 minutes with just the offense and then you break off and you spend even more time an hour with just the quarterbacks right so when you lose john t filippo who's your quarterback coach you lose him you're having a new coach just for the quarterbacks that's going to spend a lot of time with them there's chemistry issues there coaching styles communication all those. So I think once you see those start being chipped away, you have to build those back up again. And I think it just makes it more challenging. I think that's why the Eagles 
are not the clear favorite to go back to back. It's just really hard to overcome that. All right, let's welcome to the show Pete Blackburn. He's a CBS Sports writer. You can follow him at Twitter. I he's I never talked to him, never met him, but he's fantastic on Twitter at Pete Blackburn. He's a great follow. He co- co- co-hosts his own podcast called Brunch. It's a pop culture pod. A lot of fun to listen to that too. And he's based out of Boston, so I feel like we shred Boston a lot of times. <laughs> Hannah hates New England, like hates Tom Brady. So I feel like Boston gets lumped into that. I love Boston, Pete. <laughs> All right. That's right. You went to, Raja went to Except school up there. Except he doesn't like Gronk. That's I right. That's right. Uh, so Pete, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. I will say it's uh, it's a pretty tough couple of weeks to be a media member from Boston. <laughs> yes. I don't feel bad. We're going to get to that. <laughs> there was some controversy in the uh, Boston sports media market. But uh, so you're doing a lot with the Olympics, right? So you're doing some stuff with them. How has that been so far for you, the storylines coming out of Pyeongchang? Uh, it's been pretty good. I think uh, I was a little disappointed yesterday because of the, the weather uh, kind of messed up snowboarding a little bit. Uh, I was looking forward to that. Um, and the slope style yesterday uh, kind of messed up all the women. Um, obviously, uh, Jamie Anderson came away with the second straight gold in slope style, but uh, they were pissed yesterday that they that they didn't push back the competition. And, uh, you know, you, you could tell that they were, that they were kind of pissed. You could tell that the weather and the wind was affecting them. And it was probably, uh, it was, it was definitely worse than, than, uh, the one four years ago. So it, it had a huge effect. What's been the biggest story to come out of them? Is it Red Gerard, the kid, uh, the 17 year old who won gold, uh, for the U.S.? Is it Johnny and, uh, Tara doing the commentating for figure skating? Like what's been the biggest story to you to come out so far? Uh, it's definitely not Johnny and Tara because <laughs> everybody you. knew about Johnny and Tara heading <laughs> yes. into this Olympics. The, that's nothing new. Uh, right now, it's got to be Red. Uh, I, I honestly had no idea who this kid was heading into heading into this weekend, and now he's uh, basically a goddamn superstar. Uh, and he's 17 years old, doesn't look at day over 12. So uh, <laughs> not a person that you would expect to uh, to be an Olympic athlete if you pass him on the street. So let me ask a question about this NHL not sending their the the uh, their players to the Olympics this year. What what's the deal with that? Because the NBA goes back and forth. They send them to the Olympics, but they don't send them to to um, to World Games and stuff like that. Is that is that hurtful for the sport? What, what's your take on that? I mean, I think it's hurtful for the sport. I mean, anytime the NHL has put a huge onus on trying to market the game globally. Uh, especially over the past couple of years, like they've they've gone to China, they're going to a, a few other countries in the upcoming years. They want to grow the game globally, uh, and you know what better way to do that than to send the best product and the best players that you can to the Olympics on the world stage? And they're not doing that this year, and I think it's a mistake. And you know, I, I as a hockey fan, I'm still looking forward to to the Olympics this year. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see kind of. Uh, the ragtag groups that they sent over um but yeah i do think it's hurtful i mean especially especially for uh, in america it's it's probably the fourth most popular sport there's a lack of uh you know international stars that that are, are recognizable outside of the ice uh so i think that when you have this many eyes on the games and you have the opportunity to to put these stars out there and to get them recognition and to get them, uh, you know, attention on the NHL game, uh, they're missing out. 
So in the, in the absence of, of the NHL stars, like who's the favorite? Are we talking juniors from all these countries? Are we talking like are we talking like minor league hockey players? Like what 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 pool of talent are these guys tapping into, and who's got the best of the of the rest? I think uh, one one group to look for uh, that could sneak up on on a little on some people are, are the Olympic athletes from Russia. I mean, it's obviously it's Russia. You can't call them Russia. It's Olympic athletes from Russia, but uh, that's a group that could benefit from the NHL not sending because uh, the KHL in Russia is probably the second biggest uh, hockey league in in the world for pros and and some a lot. Here, my uh, my alarm keeps going off. It's early. Uh, <laughs> but, All good. Uh, my uh, so the KHL is the second biggest uh, league in the world. And a lot of NHL guys, you know, if they don't make it in the NHL or, you know, in some cases there have been guys who leave the NHL early to go back to KHL. Um, there's, you know, there's uh, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. There's uh, Pavel Datsuk, uh, uh, Slavon Voinov. Uh, those guys, they leave, they go back to the KHL. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's an interesting group to look at. They could uh, they could do some damage. Pete, you mentioned being like a big hockey fan, and I have to admit, uh, on the podcast, we don't really talk about Oh, you can't tell? He can't tell how, how good we are on it? <laughs> so what is what is it that we're really missing in like like in the NHL world right now? Like what should we be latching on to, team-wise especially? I used to follow the Panthers all the time. This season, not at all, I have to admit. Uh, for the Panthers, you're not missing too much, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, this year, I think, has been a really, really interesting year because uh, there's the, the Golden Knights in Vegas. Brand new team, first year in the league. They're in first place in the Western Conference, which is absolutely insane. Uh, nobody even predicted them uh, to make the playoffs. Nobody thought that they'd be great. You know, you look at their roster, it's not really, um, you know, it doesn't jump off the page at you. They've been unbelievable this year, and there's been a lot of talk of the quote-unquote Vegas flu, uh, teams going into Vegas uh, and, you know, not playing their best in that building for whatever reason. You may want to connect the dots. Um, there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, but, you know, a team that, you know, near and dear to my heart, the Boston Bruins, they've been unbelievable as well. Um, a lot of young guys on that team have come up big. Uh, and they put it together this year, uh, and you know they they were kind of on a rebuilding schedule. They're a few years uh, a few years ahead at this point. It looks like um, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that kind of have they've had a lot of talent over the past you know yeah, handful of years. Uh, they they suffered a ton of injuries last year. It seemed like that was going to be their year. You know that was kind of a devastating year, um, but they they brought their guys back. They're really putting it together this year. I think that that is a team that could come out of the East and do a lot of damage in the playoffs. I think one great thing that the NHL can do is get more emergency backup goalies involved, like the Rangers did when they had the, uh, the guy come yeah. in with number 69 and he had McBackup on his <laughs> that, like, that should be a thing on every team, or maybe it is. They do have, uh, they do have emergency backups, and you see, uh, you see that come up like uh, a handful of times every year. And the stories that, that, that come out of that are, are kind of hilarious because Sometimes it's the it's like the team trainer and it's like a 65 year old guy sitting in full uniform on the bench. Uh, it's it's hilarious and sometimes they call guys from local colleges 
um, and, and they look so out of place. It, it's one of the coolest things every single year. So one of the things with the Olympics that I think is a problem, and I think that NBC, I think, is trying to figure it out, and it's basically the ratings are playing out too, is that the ratings are down. I think and we talked about this on our podcast last week, the, the impact of social media. Like it's impossible to not know the outcomes of the events now and because they can't do a lot live because of the time difference. I think it really hurts it. Like is there a, is there a solution to this other than – Hey, don't be so snobby if you're Americans. Just kind of you know, like, is there a, is there a solution to this problem, or is it just always going to be that way? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I mean, you're you're trying to appeal and you're trying to you know market to every country, and and it's tough to be like, well, we're only going to put it on time zones where Americans can watch it at, in prime time. Um, so you know, it, it's a really it, that's kind of a difficult thing to to go around. You know, and especially where you know if you if you don't air it live. There's a good chance that you're gonna you're gonna get spoilers and things like that. Uh, you know that that's something that that's interesting. And, and I also think that uh, a thing that hurts the Olympics is that they're so strict with with the, like this, their social media guidelines. Like you can't share. Uh, they're very strict about people not being able to share video and, and gifts and stuff on Twitter. And I I think that that kind of hurts them as well in terms of uh, marketing to, to younger people and. To getting people to watch i think that you know as sports fans here uh we've seen it you know like nba highlights that that pop up on twitter uh you know any sports highlights that pop up on twitter you know that kind of it's just like free marketing for the game and, and if you see stuff happening you're more likely to tune in so you know i think that that's that's part of the reason that they, that they're kind of hurting Pete, I'm going to cut to the chase. We got our required like hockey and, and winter <laughs> sports out of the way. I want to know from a Boston guy, like how blasphemous was it that Robert Parrish got up there and said that Paul Pierce was the greatest offensive Celtic of all time? Like, does Boston take offense to that? Clearly, he's a great Celtic, but there have been some you're going after Bird. Yeah, in you're going after Bird and McHale. Like, how, do, how does Boston feel about that? Yeah, I, I, when I heard that, and I'm I'm, a, I'm on the younger side, so I'm like uh, early twenties ish i give myself that uh when i heard that i was like ah i don't know about that (laughs) i haven't watched these other guys but i've heard some pretty good things right right. and that larry bird guy gets some gets some pretty high praise so uh yeah that that was something i think uh, some people like kind of raise their eyebrows out eyebrows at so one of the things with uh, with the, the Olympics was the loser, was Chris Mazder. He was the big story. He was from the U.S. He had the silver medal. Great dude, like positive vibes, like one of those positive dudes you ever heard out there. But I, I was very seriously wondering this. What, how how, mu- how many people do you think – how many dudes do you think you have to beat out <laughs> to become an American loser? Like seriously. How many guys do you think you have – like what's the competition level the like? Talent pool. For, yeah, the talent pool for losing in the in the in the US. I think it's bigger than you expect, honestly. I, I, I really do. I think uh as actually a kid that I went to college with uh, after we graduated, he went out for skeleton, which is basically like the same thing as luge, you just face forward. Um which you know, I don't really get. But he went out he tried to be a skeleton racer, uh and he didn't make it. So I would I think that that skeleton is even less popular than luge, and there are enough people where people don't make it. So that's more than I would expect, to be honest with you. That's funny. <laughs> that's right, so anybody, anybody who just tries that that sport just automatically makes it to the uh, Olympics. All right. So luge, skeleton. All right. What about curling? All right, because Danny says that if he trains for how long was it? I think Train, two years. Two years. 
he could he could be an Olympic curler. All right, what is what is? Have you been to a curling event? Have you seen it live? I have not, but uh, it, it. I will say it grows on you. When I, I watched it on TV in like the first ten minutes. So I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes later, I was I was a diehard curling fan. Like what? So. What? What part of it? Like what's? Here's my question. Like in, in all seriousness, what's the talent? Is it the pitcher? Is it the scrubber? Like what? What's the talent in the in the in the pair? If you're having me break down, down, we're gonna have some issues. I think it's the uh, only. I, I think it's the only sport where I, to train for it, I would actually put on weight because it's like a big. They do it at like beer halls in Minnesota. It's yeah. like you go and you get hammered while you're curling. Like I think that's. But maybe, that's, maybe I should give it a shot. All right, let's do some superlatives. That's what we do on our pod every time. We have some fun towards the end of the interview. All right, so you're from Boston. Who would you trust more? Nick from Boston or Lene Kakua? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lene Kakua. All right. Because <laughs> our man Nick from Boston was one of the greatest troll jobs ever when he basically fooled Pete Borges into thinking he was uh, – Ron Borges. Ron Borges. I'm sorry. Ron Borges. Into thinking that he was Don Yee, who's Tom Brady's agent. And uh, Borges ran a whole column on it. It was he ends up getting suspended because he ran with it. What has been the reaction in Boston to this huge story? Uh, honestly, this this past few weeks has been just like an insane hit after hit to the media in Boston. Like the the kid calling Tom Brady's four year old daughter an annoying little piss ant. It was like the seventh worst thing now that's happened in the past two weeks in Boston sports media, which is insane. Uh, but the board just thing that I feel like everybody just kind of, it, it, it was more like just laughing him out of the city for the past, like, you know, few days or so. Uh, it's, it's a bad look on Borges. It's a bad look on the Herald. It's a bad look on the editors there. Like, it's crazy that that story even ran on the website. Never mind went to print and was on the back page of the paper. All right, so what do you think took longer to get over? The Patriots Super Bowl loss or that viral video of Tom Brady kissing his son? Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say uh, I'm going to say the Super Bowl loss because I really don't think that there's, like, getting over the 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 photo of him kissing the son. Oh, you're not like, over it. come up that's going to come up against Tom Brady for the rest of the time. Yeah, like, anytime yeah. an opposing fan base wants to troll Tom Brady, like I saw the sign was at the Super Bowl at the uh, the Super Bowl parade for the Eagles. Uh, somebody blew up the the photo and was holding it on a stick at the parade. Like <laughs> that is going to come up against the Patriots at every possible point uh, moving forward. And this, I will say, this Super Bowl loss for me as a Patriots fan hurt a little less than any of the other ones because we did not deserve to win this game. Like there was no fluky plays that went against them. They were just, they were out coached and you know, there were, you know, the Patriots shot themselves in the foot. So this one, uh, I had an easier time getting over. So I will say uh, the Brady kissing photo. <laughs> well played. Um, huge ECHL fight over the weekend. So the question is what's better than two goalies fighting on, on an, on the ice? <laughs> Uh, that is a good question. I would say two goalies fighting on the ice surrounded by everybody else fighting on the ice. <laughs> oh. you have an entire line brawl. 
uh, around around the goalies, and that's what's better. When do we see Tom versus Time finalized? Like, when's the last episode going to occur of Tom versus Time? Because it's been put on pause after the Super Bowl loss. Yeah, are you like an avid watcher of this? I haven't seen a single episode. Really? You. Yes. Uh, I yes. recommend it. I, uh, I think it's good. No way. <laughs> I, I never really liked the idea of it. Uh, the whole, you know, when I, when, even when I saw the trailers and stuff, I was like, at some point, this guy's really poking the bear. Uh, and you know, I kind of wanted to keep my distance from it. Uh, I, I, I think that anytime you get overconfident and you kind of just start flaunting how great you are at, at, at staying on top of your game for as long as you can, I think at some point, you know, the guy upstairs is going to be like, you know what, enough of this, you're done. <laughs> so uh, I'm not trying to actively promote Tom versus Time. Um, I have I have one random question. I was looking at your Twitter for uh, brunch. Listen to at listen to brunch, and I noticed that you guys were talking about the Snapchat update. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about that update? Because I am angry. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm more confused than angry. But uh, <laughs> one thing that I hate about it is that it's kind of like convinced me to watch people's stories uh, more so than the last. Oh, like people Snapchat you don't version. care about. <laughs> I do not care about anybody's stories. And for some reason, this new update is like, hey, you should watch this. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. And I have not enjoyed a single second of it. So uh, congrats to them for making me, for forcing me to use their product, but uh, not a fan. What's great is do you see the user that DM'd or sent a message to Snapchat and said, this is awful, mm-hmm. and then like pleaded, said, hey, if we get a certain amount of retweets, that you'll change it back to the old system. Yeah. And Snapchat said, sure, if you get 50,000 retweets, we'll change it back. And it got like 400,000 retweets. <gasps> so what? obviously a lot of people feel the same a way. A lot of people feel the yes. same way. Change it back. Change yes, it back. absolutely. All right, Pete, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate your time. Make sure you can check us, uh, check him out at Pete Blackburn on Twitter. He's a really fantastic follow. And he's got his own podcast, Hannah just mentioned, called Brunch. Check it out. Really good dude. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks so much for having me. All right, let's do some topics, Debo. What do you got for us? All right, we just talked about it with Pete, but a little bit more here. People that were counting on the Pats to win Super Bowl 52. We had odds makers. We had Raja. And we had the director of Tom versus Time, the Facebook-based Tom Brady hype train documentary series was consistently released until Brady lost last week. Gotham Chopra says Chapter 6 was going to be all about a sixth ring, but now the episode is delayed. Danny, Hannah, Levels of devastation. I'm so angry at that. Like, what little... It makes me so mad because... So, So, I'm I'm sorry. I just think it's a stupid move to do that. Like, if you're going to release something and you're going to hype it up and you're going to talk about it, at least continue the cockiness enough to like like follow through with your level of cockiness and it's reality like people want the insight into yes. what that looks like when he doesn't win like can it, is his whole life winning like right. is that all the guy ever does i mean that's i, I would be just, more like, be a human i would be more interested in seeing what, what that looks like like if 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 there's a level of of depression or if he's right back in the gym the next day on his grind to get that number six or if he's contemplating retirement like i I just think that's cheesy. I think it's cheesy. It's a cop out, and I think it's I think it's pretty lame that you don't show him after you lose. And I don't know that that's on Tom. I'm just saying, uh, as a fan, and I don't even love him. If I were ever going to watch, I would want to see that. I want to see what happens after the loss. As the only expert in here who's actually watched the Tom versus <laughs> Time, every single one of them, a couple things. One, one of the things that bothered me about the whole series 
is that I thought it was way too scripted, and I thought, and I think it is on Tom. I think it is his decision to pause it because I don't think he wants to put this out there. I thought it was cheesy, but it's so scripted where he wants everything to appear perfect, and every answer is like thought out, and there's no. Just let me see what you are no as a dude. Like, yeah, no, exactly. No reality. Let me see who you are. And what's crazy is my wife, and I'm a huge Brady fan. Like yeah. I've always been a huge fan of his. My wife, huge Brady fan. And I actually watched a couple episodes with her, and she was like, you know what? And she's always like, if there was a top five list of the the you know, if you do those top five lists of who you could go ahead and have your hall pass with, yeah. she would have put him on there, right? But she came out there and she said, you know what? I like him a little bit less because of that. And if you wanted to be real, because of the break, and I, what's that? Because of the the pause right now, or because of how no, scripted she, it is? She doesn't even know about that yet. Like okay. she's not even paying attention because of how scripted it was. Got it. And if you want people to really get a glimpse of what you're like, show them how you deal with adversity. Mm-hmm. Let's see what like because I guarantee you, Giselle, who very much you can totally tell she doesn't want to play anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it is so obvious. She's real. She's like, I don't want to plan. Right. She's I want to see it. the conversation they have. Me too. About his you, career. you don't Absolutely. think we eventually see that? I feel like we might just not right now. That footage. I hope so. I hope we do. I hope we do. Like, that's a good point, Debo, because maybe it is just, maybe it's just taking longer. Maybe they want to do some more follow up, but I have a feeling you're not going to see another episode until he wins another yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's going to be like, like off season production now. I don't, right. I think and if he never be... wins another Super Bowl, you may, it may just be uncut footage that you don't hear for 15 years. I wonder years. if they show footage of him in Costa Rica right now with Giselle. Posted a nice Instagram yesterday holding Giselle. I'm sure they Do we will see that? because they, they were in Costa Rica. I would literally four. rather see that than like anything. You need to I'd watch rather it. just they see them on Costa vacation. Rica. You need to watch. I just want to. Can I just get like a live video of Giselle's workouts? That's <laughs> yeah. all I want. Yeah. I all right. Bra- Brady may be coming from a <laughs> fear-based organization. You're gonna have to. We're gonna have to credit another podcast right now. One that is Danny has appeared on last week on Pardon My Take. Eagles tackle Lane Johnson exclaimed, I just think that the Patriot Way is a fear-based organization. Does he have a point? And do results prove that's okay to be fear-based? All right, he's getting this from a teammate because Chris Long was on the Patriots, won a Super Bowl. Now Chris Long has won a Super Bowl with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Guarantee you he's learning some of this info. You can also tell from the outside. But Chris Long did not have as much fun winning a Super Bowl with the Patriots as he He said he that on the same podcast. Right. He said he, he had much more fun absolutely. with this team. Absolutely. It's more enjoyable. It's a more enjoyable atmosphere. There are some coaches. Jimmy Johnson was well known to do it. Where every day you felt like – and it didn't matter who you were. You felt like you could get cut. And they – that was their motivational tactic. Some guys are able to respond to it. Other guys hate it. I would have hated it. I – I think it is. I would. A lot of guys get burned out from the Patriots. There's there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. You know, there are different personality types in terms of coaches, organizations. Like, for instance, I, I have two coaches that are just complete opposites of each other. Like Jerry Sloan. Um, Jerry Sloan was tough, hard-nosed, in-your-face. Practices were grueling, almost to the point of fights. Um, and I loved him. I loved working for him. I loved playing for him. And then I had Mike D'Antoni, who was just the opposite. Laid back, you know, chill, super happy, everybody having a good time. I'd be running around screaming and practices, laughing and joking, and we came out and we rolled people. And I loved Mike. Like, I worked in both of those systems. They were completely, you know, different from each other, but but they both experienced high, high, high levels of success. So, like, look, it's not every situation is for everybody, right? Like, and that's just the way it goes. But you can't argue with the success in New England. Like, yeah. I don't, like you can call it what you want. You call it five five Super Bowls over the last how many years? So this fan had some fear in him after the trade deadline last week. Anesthesia, reaction vids, all the rage right now. 
So imagine waking up and hearing your team trade it for Derrick Rose. That's what happened to this medicine-riddled Jazz fan last week. We're waving Derrick Rose. He's not going to play on the Jazz. Good. This is no good. If it was like 2012, I'd be happy. But he sucks. <laughs> Jay Crowder's good. I know, but... I mean, he was good in Boston. He sucked in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So he said he wished he had 2012 D Rose. That's probably still a bit late, but imagine telling a 2011 D Rose that someone would react this way in 2018. Oh man. I mean, this dude was one of the most dynamic electric players in the, in, in the entire NBA. And it's completely fallen off the map. Injuries. Do you think it's injuries? Yeah. It's I, all the injuries. I think, I think injuries, injuries played a huge part. And I think, I think mentally, I don't know D Rose like that, but I don't, if everything was cool and he was never hurt, I think mentally he would have been fine. But the injuries, I think, not only took a toll on his physical, but it took a toll on his mental and his spiritual in terms of playing the game. Yeah. Um, and all of that is just too big of a hurdle to overcome. And he never really got a chance to ever expand his game. He was always just fast twitch. Uh, he was a young player, so he was always faster, stronger, you know, quicker, more explosive. And he never got to develop anything else. He was injured for years and years after that. And so – you know, it's it's a shame, man, because it is a shame. He it, was he was incredible. He was electrifying for a yeah. while. Derek Rose, a guy that's lost his ups and verticality a little bit. Dirk Nowitzki, he's one of the most accomplished players in NBA history. Crazy stats, but on Saturday, for the first time this season, he rose up, a relative term, and dunked a basketball. <laughs> he's seven feet, but he's also thirty nine years old. And 30. then he had to miss last night due to ankle effusion. I don't know what that term means. <laughs> From the I don't know if the dunk caused it. Coincidence? I don't know. Raja, how long are you going to be able to dunk a basketball? Um, uh, yeah, not much longer, bro. I can barely dunk one now. Really? I mean, I could dunk it once if I got warmed up yeah. and like, but I can't do any kind of like windmills or or three sixties. Like, this is basic cable. Go up. But like, if the... your boys are playing, your your kids, yeah. your sons are playing with you, and they say, yeah. "Dad, dunk," you can dunk. I can dunk. Yeah, but again, do you think you'll be able to do it? It's to your basic 50? cable, nah. Uh, uh-uh. because I don't play. Like, I don't play, and if I'm training until I'm fifty, like. You know, my orange theory and it's staying in great shape, probably, but, but, uh, I wouldn't imagine that. Dirk orange just looks theory. like if, if you put pain in the dictionary and had like a video of what pain looked like, <laughs> Dirk running up and down the court would be like, but hasn't the he always like pain. walked like that? He always has been funky, but Jesus, it just looks like it hurts right now. So my daughters, we play at the courts by my house and they have some, they have every height. They have 10 foot and nine foot yep. and they have the nine foots are off to the side and i don't know if my girls technically are really like that dialed in to which one is that much lower and so they think i can dunk and so i like i let i let it perpetuate so I'm like yeah daddy can do this isn't this awesome i'm like throwing down these right. rim shakers ah. yeah doing a power dunk so one of these days they might figure it out but i'm gonna keep <laughs> doing, doing reverses yeah for sure all right uh we might have to have a dunk contest on a nine foot rim Ooh. see who wins debo could you i'm all about foot? that i can dunk i can't too much that's basically Cable, like Raja said. Don't want a nine foot? Yeah. All right. Basic cable. I like Hannah? It. We'll even get Hannah involved. Um, I can, I can dunk. We'll just wait for I our one on one. I can dunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to have to see that. All right. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you guys have a great Monday and a start to your week. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, like, okay, never mind. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And make sure you follow us, as always, at Canel and Bell on Twitter. 